A summer family vacation is one of the most normal things in the world if you ask a lot of movies. During those warmer months, many families get the urge to head out for an adventure. Some families visit amusement parks. Others head out for road trips. And some families choose to head out into nature for some good old-fashioned camping. Unfortunately, this is not always the best choice, and some families don't come back from it. My name is Brianne, and I'm the host and creator of Among the Dirt and Trees, a show where we explore true crime cases that occur out in nature. In today's episode, we're going to discuss the 1982 Wells Gray Murders, a shocking Canadian crime where six relatives were brutally killed while camping. It was the summer of 1982 when the Johnson family decided to head out into the woods for a little time out in nature with the family. The family trip consisted of six relatives in total. The youngest were Janet, who was 13, and Karen, who was 11. They were joined by their parents, Bob and Jackie, and their grandparents, Edith and George. With the warm sun in the air and the whole family together, this trip seemed like it held nothing but promise. Unfortunately, at some point it took a turn. When six people go missing, it is very easy to notice. The more people that go missing, the more likely it is that someone will come looking for them. In this case, Bob was the first red flag that caught the attention of police. When he didn't show up for work, his company began to worry. They feared that something had happened to him and that the family had failed to report it. The truth, as we know, was much worse than that. Eventually, his company decided to call the police. Police learned that the Johnsons never made it back from their trip. They arranged a search out in Wells Gray Park where the family was believed to have been camping. A tip from a local explorer led them to a car with some fairly significant burn damage. This would have been concerning by itself since a burned up car is almost always indicative of some kind of cover-up. But when police realized that the car very likely belonged to the Johnsons, they suspected the worst. And what they found inside didn't help. Inside of the charred vehicle, there were four bodies who were identified as Edith, George, Bob, and Jackie. Each of them had been shot to death. At first, the girls were nowhere to be found, but police knew that there was one place left to check. The trunk. With heavy hearts, they opened the trunk up to reveal the bodies of the young girls, Janet and Karen. Now, basically everything that I know about Canada has come from memes and how I met your mother, and I'm so sorry, but my understanding is that these crimes really shook up Canada, understandably. People were horrified by the vile and aggressive nature of these crimes, and they wanted answers. People were talking about these crimes nonstop. In fact, Canadian television was airing recounts and ongoing news stories about this case just to try to find some sort of clue regarding what happened. Ultimately, police were flooded with tips, like thousands, 
and the majority of them were not exactly useful. But they did receive a few sightings from people who claimed to have seen a specific truck in the area around that time. And this actually ended up being a pretty good clue. It took over a year, but police actually found the missing truck. Kind of. In reality, the truck was found by people who worked in the forest. And while you might think that this would be a good thing for police, that actually wasn't the case at all. It made a lot of people really upset because the car honestly wasn't that far from where their bodies were found. The fact that police hadn't found it when it was so close did not give the public a positive opinion about their efforts. But the car's discovery was fairly telling. It made everyone realize that whoever was responsible for this crime likely had a lot of experience in the area. That realization narrowed down the potential list of suspects quite a bit. And then they found someone who had been looking to get work done on their truck that was highly suspicious. In the end, police managed to sort through the distinct lack of evidence and zero in on a likely suspect. He was arrested quickly, much to the surprise of the public. His name was David Shearing, a local 24-year-old. He also went by the name David Ennis. From the nature of the crimes, it seems pretty clear that this killer feels absolutely no remorse, and that has been debated a lot. His actions would later be described as a murderous rampage, and he himself admits that he killed six people essentially as a means to an end. So, what really happened? Police couldn't really say what happened since so much evidence was damaged in the fire, but we received the story from the killer himself. David Ennis later confessed to murdering all six family members, but that wasn't the only detail that he gave. For whatever unlucky reason, he managed to spot the family when their car tipped him off to their presence. Intrigued, he started following the family, stalking them through the woods to see what they were doing and who was with them. And it was at this point that he zeroed in on those two little girls. Given everything else that he did, it probably shouldn't come as a surprise that Ennis was, in fact, a pedophile. He had a sick fantasy in his mind, and he saw the four adults with the girls as standing between him and his fantasy. So he systematically shot every single adult member of the family one at a time, killing them all. Once they were dead, he turned his attention to the girls, who he abducted and kept in prison for nearly a week. In his own words, Ennis said, I saw them as just a means to an end. I saw the four adults basically as being in the way of what I wanted at the time. But that wasn't the worst of his confessions. He admitted that he was really just interested in 13-year-old Janet, but ended up keeping Karen too just because she was already there. He admitted to sexually assaulting the girls while holding them captive. Then, when the risk became too high, he took them out into the woods and he killed them too. And then he started that fire. 
Three generations of a family were wiped out because of one man's sick obsession with a little girl. Now, a crime like this is fairly bold. It isn't common for someone to jump from zero to a hundred like this as far as crimes go. And according to David Ennis, this wasn't his first crime. He told police that he always had violent sexual fantasies since his teen years. Throughout the years, it built. And according to Ennis, the Johnson family wasn't his first kill at all. He told police that he had already killed another teenage girl before. The scary part? He got away with it. And by his own admission, the fact that he got away with it made him bolder. It made him feel like he could confidently kill this family and get away with that too. For a while, I'm sure he thought that he did. Thankfully, in the end, David Ennis was caught and brought to justice. He has been up for parole several times, and each time he has been completely shot down. Everyone is still convinced that he is a dangerous person and that if he ever has a chance, he will absolutely kill or harm someone again. Today, he's in his 60s. He also told officials that he feels deep regret and shame for his actions. I really hope that's true, but I'm not ashamed to say that I think that this guy should rot in prison all the same. So, if you would like to discuss camping with family, society's obsession with young girls, or crimes that would be best handled through the use of the moon door in Game of Thrones, feel free to contact me on Twitter or Instagram using the tag at datpod. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.